Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. We're going to get to this today, the You Revolution. Um, Everything about this series uh, brings us to the moment that we stand in right now. For six weeks, we've been moving towards this moment um, in, in this series. And uh, I don't know what you know, this week, uh, uh, 24 hours a day around the clock for the last seven days, we as a church have been praying. I felt my wife get out of bed from next to me every morning at somewhere, I'm not sure what time it is, somewhere around 2 a.m. And then she comes back sometime later on um, after she's done a shift. And around the clock, 24-7, in all of our churches, people have signed up to be praying for this moment this morning. Right now, as we gather today, there are people even in Sydney praying for us today as as we wrap this series, believing for something to go on by the Spirit of God. So let's let's get to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. I pray, Lord, today, I pray for an outpouring of your Spirit. I pray for an impartation of your Spirit. Lord, I pray for an infilling of your Spirit. Lord, I pray, come Holy Spirit. We know you're already in the rooms, wherever we are, but I pray it'd be tangible. There'd be a sense of you in each place, you right there, God, in the midst of your people. May it be like the day when the resurrected Jesus walked with two of his disciples and they said, did we not feel it within us, the burning, that he was walking with us? And so, God, we pray for that to go on in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Are you going to see an image come up on the screen? Um, Some faces, some blue and gold, I hope. And um, as it does, I wonder, have you ever been somewhere... No? Have you ever been somewhere? Got it? Great. Have you ever been somewhere and you're not sure what went on? You walk into the room, you know, and, and I'm assuming you're the yellow in this case. Um, but, you know, you walk into the room and, I don't know, there's just a vibe in the room. Have you ever been there? If you're a kid, you've been there with your parents. You've been in a room with your parents and, then, you know, whatever's going on and then you... Have you ever left the room to, you know, go to the toilet, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, grab a coffee and you come check the sports score and you come back to the room and you've gone from this to this next image and everything shifted. Only you didn't get the memo. So, you know, you've tried to come back and feel like the rest of the room and bring your negative self to the room. But the room shifted. While you were out of the room, you were in the room and the room was one way. You left the room, and while you were gone, in the in-between, something shifted, something changed. Have you ever been there? If you're, if you're a kid with your parents, you've been there, everything was okay, and then you left the room to go do something, and you came back, and you can feel the tension in the room. You're not sure what went on, but something went down among your parents, and when your kids are little, that's easy to get away with, but now that my kids are older, I'm finding it increasingly harder to get away with when, you know, Bron and I have one of those mood-changing moments. Well, I want to bring you to a moment today, a moment today uh, that, that really God wants to bring everyone to. And, and I want to talk to you today about this same kind of thing that God does. It's like there's, it, it's like this and then there's everything's shifted, something's gone on and everything's changed. And there's this in-between moment. I want, I want, we're going to come to the in-between moment. Um, today, that, that this in-between moment that changes us, that changes who we are and the trajectory of everything. It changes us and it changes the trajectory 
of everything. And in this week, it, it kind of seals our U Revolution. You know, we've made great decisions, hopefully, across this series. But today is not about you or I making a decision. Today is about that thing which only God can do. Today is about the thing that you and I can't manifest, we can't make happen. It, it, it's God and only God. And if God doesn't turn up, nothing's going to go on. And if God does turn up, nobody can stop it. We're not trying to manipulate anything. We're not trying to make anything happen. We can't. But this is, we're going to look at what something that God does. It's this God-created, supernatural, catalyst moment, changing us and the trajectory of everything in a way we never could and in a way that only God can. That's literally what we're talking about this morning. This morning we're talking about, let me read it to you, this God-created, supernatural, catalyst moment that the Bible talks about, changing us and the trajectory of everything in a way that we could never do and only God can. So let me explain it by taking you to Scripture. Let me, let me bring you to, I flipped my Bible and um, ended up in the wrong page. So 1 Samuel we're going to. 1 Samuel um, chapter 10, and I want to read you just one verse. There's plenty of Scripture in this message, so if you're thinking, Darren, one verse, is that it? No, there's lots, but, but I want you to come to this verse. I want you to see, and I want you to read the last line here with me. See, it says, prophesy with him. Look what it says. And you will be changed into a different person. It's the prophet Samuel, who is the leader of God's people, speaking to the soon-to-be king, Saul. And he says, Saul, I want you to know this. In a few moments from now, you are going to be completely changed. You're going to be transformed into a different person. Now, there, there are a few ways you can look at that. You can look at that and go, that's weird. Christians believe weird things. Or you can look at it and go, can God really change me from the inside out? Can God really do the kind of work that the Bible talks about here? And, and the Bible says that Saul was absolutely changed into a different person. That's a big statement. Something, Samuel's saying, something's about to happen, Saul. Something's about to happen, Saul, that profoundly changes you and profoundly change, changes the trajectory of your life. Saul, this is big. And, and this is what God does. And this is what God would do even today. It happened to Saul. We, we go to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to come back there. It happened in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. The apostle Paul says this about himself. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. The Apostle Paul was like a modern-day terrorist. Think of a terrorist, think about what they do, that was Paul. But then it goes on and says, they only heard this report or the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. The man who previously, when I was in the room before, the man who previously persecuted is now proclaiming the faith that he once sought to destroy. And something went on in between. Something, something radical went on in between. And, and this is the idea at the core of the Christian faith. There's, there's this transformation that is to take place. It's God-created, it's supernatural, it's a catalyst moment. Uh, you, you may or may not have heard of John Newton. You certainly will have known, whatever your church background, you'll know the song he wrote. John Newton uh, is a former slave trader, slave 
ship um, employer who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. He went from slave ship worker, treating African-Americans and slaves like they were less than human, to one of those who thought, fought the fight for abolition and saw it come to pass in his life. Something went on between who he was here and who he became there. This in-between moment, and he puts it like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Listen to him, I once was. He says, hey, I was as lost as a human soul can be. And now I'm as found as it ever can be. I was blind. I was blind, he says. But now I see that's what God does. That's what he does. That's why the song lingers. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like you and like me, especially like Luke. We were once, once we were lost, once we were, but now. That, if you haven't gone from the once were to the but now, that's where God wants you to take, take you today. But if you have, there, there's meant to be this moment in between because that's what happened to Saul and that's what happened to the Apostle Paul and that's what happened to John Newton. Something went on in between that fundamentally changed them forever. It was supernatural. It was a catalyst moment, something they couldn't manufacture and that only God could do the in-between space. So let me take you back again to 1 Samuel, chapter 10 and verse 6. Listen to the first half of it. This is actually the full sentence which some of you read against my wishes. At the same time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you. There is the key. There is the in-between moment. Uh, as... Um, at that time, the Spirit of God will come powerfully, powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them. And then that's where the sentence comes. You will be changed into a different person. Run down to verse 9. It's coming to pass. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. It goes on and says, The Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. He began to prophesy. And those who knew Saul, those who knew Saul previously said, what is this? That even Saul um, prophesies and is amongst the prophets. And then they go, how did the son of Kish become a prophet? I want to pause here for a moment. Listen to what it says. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. He changed him powerfully. And I want us to think about that thought just for a moment because there wasn't some build-up. Saul didn't go and change his life. He didn't do anything. It says Saul was just getting ready to leave and as he was leaving in the in-between of where he'd been and where he was about to go, in the in-between, in the twinkling of an eye, in the moment, God turns his heart in a moment, suddenly, all of a sudden, all at once, without him giving a thought to it or praying for it or anything else, there was a change that went on on Saul. There was a change that left him powerfully transformed in the moment, in the moment, in between, suddenly, the Spirit of God came upon Saul. And those who knew him, I love this, those who knew him, those who knew the Saul of five minutes ago, they went, what happened to that guy? How did we, how did we end up here? And they, they're just there and they're like, what, what happened? And what happened was the Spirit of God came upon Saul powerfully and he was changed from the inside out. That's, that's what happened. And if I'm a believer, 
you know, if I'm a believer today, the question is a good measure. Is there anything noticeably different going on? Is there something that's happened that someone would go, ah, oh, remember that guy? I don't mean weird. I don't mean just bizarre. I don't know how that happens to Christians, that they become normal and end up bizarre. I mean like powerfully changed in the best of ways. That's what God wants to go on. The reality is Saul had an I once was and now. And Paul had an I once was but now. And John Newton had an I once was but now. And the church, Jesus' church, this is a story. 2 Corinthians chapter four, uh, 5 and verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, in Jesus, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The old has gone and the new has come. And there's something that went on, something that we can't create or manufacture, something that went on that only God could do. And it's the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon us, changing us from the inside out and forevermore. The reality of Christianity actually hinges on this actuality. It does. If, 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 if this isn't true, Christianity isn't real. If God doesn't change a person from the inside out, if God doesn't fill a person with his spirit, Christianity is dead in the water. It's a false religion. The apostle Paul was asked one day, and, or sorry, he commented one day, and said, hey, you know, they're arguing about the resurrection. He said, if there's no resurrection from the dead, give up Christianity now. We are to be pitied. But then in the next sentence he says, but know this, the resurrection is real. And there's more than 500 people who can prove it. Some of them are giving their lives for it, this resurrection, and, and he goes on, he says, yeah, if it's not real, give up, but it, if it is real, and it is real, and it's the same idea. If, if there is no God giving a believer um, his spirit that leaves them changed, give it away now, because it's just another dead religion. But if it is real, and it is, if it is real, and it is, once I was lost, but now I'm found, once I was blind, now I see, once I was weak and now I'm filled with power, if that's real, that changes everything. And that's the life God calls you to. Everyone who believes, he calls to this life that leaves us changed from the inside out. And this is the thing that changes everything. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, changing you, changing the trajectory of your life and mine. You know, I'm convinced you know, speak to those of us who've been Christians a little while, I'm convinced that we as believers need God's Spirit more than we have at any time in my lifetime. This COVID period, for as long as we live, will prove defining in the life of the time of the living. And the church, as you can all see already, will emerge from this differently. We need God's Spirit as believers more than we have at any point in my lifetime. And I tell you, it fills me with hope because when we, as we recognize, you know, we can, we can do better church, we've got better systems, we know how to plan things better, we know how to sound better, we know how to not bore you to tears, hopefully. We know, we know how to do so many things. We haven't got a religious spirit anymore. There's grace upon, you know, his church. We've got, we got podcasts to our ears and heads are full. We've got more world-class content at your fingertips than a generation of people had in their lifetime. We got more. And yet, somehow, we need his spirit more than ever. I need his spirit more than ever. 
Not only do you and I need his spirit more than ever, and what a joy that is to live in that place. Oh, it transforms Christianity. His church needs his spirit more than ever. Now, don't run off on your favourite line of Christianity with that statement. Um, don't, don't lose the moment and step into history. Tongues of fire fell like it did in the way in the Bible only a few times. The outpouring of his spirit looked different at different settings and different ages. We don't know what it looks like. We just know we desperately need it. And when God's people get hungry and desperate, it's usually him that's already gone before us and him responding to it. We need his spirit more than ever as a believer and as a church. You know, if you're a parent today, when you get home tonight, if, you, if your children believe, why don't you lay hands on them as we're going to see? Why don't you lay hands on them? Why don't you gather them around your table? Why don't you pray around dinner? Oh, how we need the spirit and fire going on in our lifetime and in our lives like never before. And it's just not a need. It's not a, it's not a desperate bad thing. It's a powerful thing. It's changed from the inside out. It's living like we can't live otherwise. There's a presence to it and a power in it. There's something about it when the Spirit of God gets on the inside and fired up in the life of a person. So the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon us, changing us. It was predicted by the prophets. I love this. Well before it happened. God's already letting us know. Acts chapter 2, verse 16 to 18. No, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit out on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. God was talking gender equality well before Anyone thought it was a popular idea? I tell you, gender equality found its traction in the first century with a man named Jesus. Now, the church might have got it wrong, but Jesus got it right. And so in Acts 2, we see he's going, hey, everybody's in. Servant, rich, male, female, color of your skin, your history, prostitutes and politicians, corrupt thieves and the well-doing. My spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh who would believe. And they're going to prophesy and they're going to be filled with power. They're going to see visions. They're going to have dreams. Things are going to go on. This is what God promised. If that's not the reality, there is no Christianity, but it is the reality. And we need a move of the Spirit of God, and we need a people with a fire of the Spirit of God like I have not known in my lifetime. I tell you, the day is upon us. It is here. I've been on a journey. We didn't wake up with a sermon in our hearts this morning. Two years ago, about this time two years ago, something happened that began to shift Bron and I. We just, something started to shift. And, and that two years has stood us in this moment. Now, as a church, we're not about to shift the plumb line. We're not about to shift what we're about. But we are here to say, you and I, we need the Spirit of God like we've never needed the Spirit of God in our lifetime. And His church, the church, needs the Spirit of God like it has never needed in my lifetime. And the good news is, that has always been the case. In Acts chapter 1, you know, Jesus said that he was going to go so the Spirit could come. Jesus understood that this was so important that Jesus himself had to leave the planet so the Spirit could come, so that everything could be stirred and everybody could be moved and everybody could be filled with God's Spirit. So the moment that changes, it happened to Saul, it happened to Paul, it happened to John Newton. It happens to all believers. It was predicted by the prophets. It was promised by Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 8. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't you love the way that Jesus makes big things happen in very natural settings? They're just eating food. Saturday family dinner, barbecue with friends. And he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days, 40 to be exact, so, you know, hang in there, you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. He says, you've had the baptism of John. You've been baptised for the repentance of sin, but you're going to get baptised with the Holy Spirit. And that's the thing that changes everything. That's going to change you, and it's going to change the trajectory of everything. Verse 8, he says, but you will receive power receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. You will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, it needs the power of the Holy Spirit, the Christian faith. I can remember the day in 1992, about this time, like just after grand final time. So I didn't want to go to church until after I'd celebrated because I thought, I know I'm going to stop drinking like I do. I waited to the end of football season, had the party, went to church the next week. And, um, and so, why was I telling you that story? I remember praying the prayer because I believed in Jesus, that he died for my sin, that he's resurrected from the grave, that he sits at the right hand of the Father, that he is coming again. I believed all that. And I made a decision to surrender my life and to uh, give Jesus my life. And I remember a man standing there at the time and he said to me, Darren, you'll never be the same again. And I said back to him, we'll see. I didn't know, but I never was. Because God comes and changes us. He fills us with the spirit and with power. Some of you know my good mate Dave Tankard. Goes to a local church here in town. I remember when Dave used to mock me. I used to work for Arnott's. I'd come in on Monday and he'd say, he worked in one of the stores, and he'd say, Darren, what revelation have you had over the weekend? So, oh, seeing you've asked, and uh, we'd have a conversation. And one day, eventually, Dave comes to church. Comes to church a few times. Then he determines that he believes that Jesus died for his sins, that he was resurrected from the grave, that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, that he's returning again. And Jesus put, uh, David put his trust in Jesus. And so he rang me the next day on the Monday. And uh, he had a business, he, and, he, and he used to do peelies. Uh, if you're not from Tamworth, peelies are a drive down the main street, which is a phenomenon unique to country people. And so Dave was doing a peely, and when you do a peely, he'd say, you know, I just check out every girl in the street. And he said, but I don't know what happened yesterday, but I feel really convicted about it today. And he said, I, I can't do it anymore. Now, what happened? He didn't know yet, but he was about to discover that something powerful had gone on, that the Holy Spirit had stepped in, and he'd been changed from the inside out. He, he, had realized, he was soon to realise that, yes, we remember who I had been and I'm not that person anymore and something went on in between in the moment that was a catalyst moment that God created and that he could not manufacture. Something powerful had gone on and he was changed. It, it, it is where the church started. Jesus promised it. The prophets prophesied it. It exploded into reality on the day of Pentecost. And I think there's a good note for us here. There, there, there was a waiting on God. There was an in his presence. There was a preparing of the heart. I thank God for everyone who linked in this week. You know, I don't know, did I say it before? 
We have people, you know, I did praying around the clock all week, seven days. We have prayer meetings every night. Some are on Zoom. Honestly, some of the most profound and powerful prayer meetings I've been in in my life. And just something going on there. And there was this going on in the lead up to God moving. There was definitely a making room for God to move. And I suggest that to go on in our lives. Just making room for God to move. And on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now imagine you stepped out of the room at this moment. You're in the room, you've been praying, and you take a toilet break. You're out. This is what happens next. Suddenly, suddenly, there it is again. Suddenly, in the moment of time, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, every single one in the room, were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All of them filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if you'd stepped out? The room is like this. And then you step back in and something crazy has gone on. Everybody has been changed and you're at the toilet. So don't go to the toilet in the middle of my preach. Just stay there every single week. Just stay and hold on. Something might go on. Something happened. It exploded into reality on the day of Pentecost. It's the story of the early church. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. His empowering, his infilling is always for purpose. After they had prayed, we see it again there, after they'd prayed, they made room for God and you could tell that something had gone on in them. Acts 9, verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, the terrorist Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may be filled, so that you may see again and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Immediately, suddenly, in that moment, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Everything shifted. Everything changed. Oh, a new day had come. The in-between that had changed everything. God created, supernatural, the catalyst moment changing us and us and everything in a way that we never could, but God surely can. Happened to Saul, happened to Paul, happened to the new believers. It was predicted by the prophets. It was promised by Jesus, became a reality on the day of Pentecost, and it's extended the promise to you and I here today in this moment. God is here. We're moving forward. Nothing doubting. He will turn up. Because that's who he is. It's what he does. In fact, he said, Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. What does he mean by that? I, I'm not going to leave you to live this Christian life out on your own. Why? Because we can't. Because he's good. Because it's something that is meant to be lived in a whole another level to what maybe even that we've known or you've known or I've known. And so we want to make room for this and more. So first, I want to speak... So just a few things as we wrap this today and then pray. We want to we make room for this and more today. First, for those who believe to be filled with God's Spirit, we're going to make room for it. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 7 says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them this question. 
did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what, what baptism did you receive? And Well, John's baptism, they replied, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Actually, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, they received him. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And I like this line. There was about 12 in all, so it wasn't like this mass gathering. I love that about God. He'll take a small thing and make it a big deal. 12 people. So here he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And then Paul placed his hands on them and, and the Holy Spirit came. A power, a presence that changed them forever from the inside out and became the edge that they lived life with. Andrew Murray says it like this. How mighty and complete the revolution is that is brought to pass when the Holy Spirit is received in his fullness. His Spirit changing us, leading us, prompting us. And so we're going to invite you to pray. I want to speak to all the Christians in the room for a moment who would have said, I've definitely received the Holy Spirit. Those of us who have received his Spirit, how, how full is his Spirit in your life right now? Because the Bible talks about the ongoing and filling, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, not, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by Him. So the Bible comes along talking to already believers given His Spirit, and it says, just be filled with his spirit. If you're not sure what I'm doing, I'm pouring. Um, Brian used to do this thing to me when I was younger. My, my thoughts would just, I don't know, drive me nuts, overwhelm me, whatever. And she'd um, do this thing where she'd like, I know this sounds silly. She'd like saw my head and turn the flip top lid off and say, right, is it all out? Get it all out. Get it all out. Get it all out. And we'd sit there and go, Zzzz. I know, it's weird. Married people are allowed to do weird things in private. They're just not meant to tell you in public. And um, so, so I do that, and, and, and that represents what this is. So there's meant to be an ongoing and filling. Yeah, once encounter, God changed from the inside out. But the Bible talks about be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's, it's possible to have the, what the Bible calls the deposit of the Spirit and to live on empty. I know it's real because I've done it. But I've also known the other, to live full of His Spirit to be filled with His Spirit. For, for the, the idea is the difference between, you know, your car running on empty. I pulled up at the BP at the um, opposite Thrifty there the other week. And I was short on time and I put the nozzle in and it wouldn't give it to me, one dollar. Took about three minutes. So I very calmly, as I do, took it out gently, put it back, calmly drove to the next Bowser, put it in, same thing happens. Go to the third Bowser, same thing happens. I was not full of the Spirit. What was happening? There was, there was fuel in the tanks, they told me. She came, the lady came out and said, there's fuel in the tanks, but it's nearly empty. And it, that's going to be how it works until the truck arrives. And that's how people live their faith. They, they've received the Spirit. They've got the deposit, but there's no fullness. 
And that is not what God ever intended. No, God's intention was that you and I would be filled with His Spirit. And then having been filled with His Spirit, that there'd be an ongoing filling. Let's be honest today, you're living full of His Spirit because there's meant to be an overflow. And I can tell you this, I can tell you this, when there is something shifts in you and I, I tell you something shifts. This, I, we've been, I've been on a journey for about seven months, but I, I tell you this, I haven't had a week like this week for a long time. Just constantly being in prayer. And I always pray but constantly being in prayer, my mind being shifted, the seeking of the Spirit, the overflow of that in my life. You can see it, you can sense it, you can hear it right now. That's what He's got for you. Not just for me, that's for every believer. Step into your day, step into your place, workplace, step into whatever God's got, full of the Spirit. Are you making room for that? A good place to start would be six o'clock tonight at Overflow. Come on, we're the church. Come on. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And He has given you His Spirit. Let's be filled with the Spirit. And let me wrap this up with this thought. We're gonna pray today because we wanna make room for an impartation of the Spirit. We're anointing for our times. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 talk about God giving gifts to people. Romans talks about it. Ephesians talks about it. These gifts that are for every generation. And, and, and it talks into Timothy. Paul talks and says, um, stir into action the gift you've received with my laying on of hands. There's an impartation of the Spirit, but there's also an impartation of gifting that God gives. It's a free gift. We didn't do anything for it. And then as you look across time, not only are there the gifts that go across the ages, but there are the gifts that are unique to their times. See, Moses, the Bible says in Exodus 4, 34, was a prophet like no other. And he was followed by Joshua, who was no prophet like Moses. But the anointing went upon him. I'm using Christian terminology here. The, the, the anointing went upon him. Moses laid hands on him and it says, and God gave some of the anointing and it began to transfer, but it didn't transfer him into a prophet. He was anointed to be a pioneer. See, the anointing that the season demanded was different. In Moses' time, they needed a prophet. In Joshua's time, they needed a pioneer. You move down the ages, they needed Samuel. There hadn't been prophecy for a generation in Samuel's time. The Bible says not one of his prophecies fell to the ground, unanswered and not coming to pass. Samuel gets replaced by Saul. We move forward to David and David becomes anointed to be the warrior king of a nation. You move down through time and we get the apostle Paul, anointed and gifted to be an apostle in the church. And you move through the ages. Some of you remember Billy Graham. He was anointed in a time when mass media could take the gospel to the world like nothing else. And now we live in a different age. And the Spirit's anointing looks different in our time. And moving forward, I believe even from this moment, there are things, there are gifts that are unique to the season. And we wanna see an impartation of, God, impartation of God's Spirit. Every young person on the back row, an impartation of God's Spirit. What is God gonna do with your life? And what are you gonna do with it with Him? Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.